It's Friday, November the 27th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by Raytheon Technologies. Coming up, problems with AstraZeneca's vaccine and job losses at Disney. First, the world in brief. The chief executive of AstraZeneca said the pharmaceutical firm is likely to conduct an additional efficacy trial after concerns emerged about the data released on the COVID-19 vaccine it developed with Oxford University. The jab had an efficacy of 70%, but this was only achieved by pooling the results from two cohorts on different dosing regimes. One of these contained no over-55s, who are most at risk of severe COVID-19 symptoms. Donald Trump said he would leave the White House after America's Electoral College confirms Joe Biden as president on December 14th, although he maintained the confirmation would be a mistake. Mr Biden's investiture has been a given since his election win, Mr Trump's willingness to cede power less so. The outgoing president continues to peddle unsupported theories of widespread election fraud. Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, accused America's Supreme Court of playing politics with the pandemic after it struck down restrictions that he had imposed on religious services. The court, with its newly cemented conservative majority, ruled 5-4 that limiting the number of people attending services violated the First Amendment's prohibition on government interference in the free exercise of religion. Disney revealed plans to lay off 4,000 more employees by the end of March. The giant entertainment company had said in September that it would cut 28,000 jobs, mostly at its theme parks, because of the pandemic. It recorded a loss of $1.7 billion in a year to October 3rd, compared with an income of $13.9 billion last year. A Turkish court handed down life sentences to more than 300 people found guilty of participating in an attempted coup in 2016. Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Turkey's president, had accused Fethullah Gulen, a Pennsylvania-based cleric, of orchestrating the putsch, which was followed by a purge of more than 100,000 supposed Gulenists from Turkish institutions. Mr Gulen denies involvement. SSE, a Scottish utility and Equinor, a Norwegian energy firm, said that they would invest £6 billion, $8 billion, in the first two stages of the world's largest offshore wind power project. Those two stages will have a combined capacity of 2.4 gigawatts, enough to power 4 million homes. The wind farm to be built on the Dogger Bank in the North Sea will be financed by 29 banks and three export credit agencies. And Delta Airlines and Alitalia said they will soon launch the only transatlantic quarantine-free travel corridor between Atlanta, Georgia and Rome. Passengers will have to take a polymerase chain reaction test for COVID-19 up to 72 hours before their flight and then rapid tests in both the airports they depart from and they arrive at. And now here's today's agenda. Thanksgiving bloat. Black Friday expands. More than twice as many Americans go shopping the day after Thanksgiving as on the next most popular date. In recent years, Thanksgiving weekend has accounted for one-fifth of stores' holiday shopping revenue. But this year, many will observe the distinctly American tradition of Black Friday differently. Doorbuster deals where frenzied crowds surge into shops to buy highly discounted goods in short supply are less alluring during a pandemic. Worried bricks-and-mortar retailers have stretched the discount day further than ever. Many announced deals as early as mid-October. Results of this expansion are mixed. ShopperTrack, which analyses footfall for shops, finds little evidence of increased custom in October or November. That may be because Americans are increasingly looking online for the best deals. 
with customers redirecting on average one-third of their usual travel budgets to purchase gifts and holiday accruements, the pandemic is likely to remain the gift that keeps on giving for America's e-retailers. A Declaration of Independence The S&P Conference The Scottish National Party begins its virtual annual conference tomorrow. Other than COVID-19, discussion will be dominated by the possibility of independence from the rest of Britain. A draft of the conference agenda leaked this month included a motion on whether the party should work towards a second referendum. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, maintains that the first referendum, held in 2014 and decided in favour of unionism, was a once-in-a-generation event. Proponents of IndyRef2 argue that Brexit has so changed the political landscape that the question should be asked again. Nicola Sturgeon, Scotland's First Minister and the SNP's leader, intends to set out plans by next spring for just that. Mr Johnson recently enraged nationalists by arguing that Scottish devolution since 1999 had been a disaster. Scots seem to disagree and want even more of it. Polling suggests that a majority now favours independence, driven chiefly by dissatisfaction with Mr Johnson. The only way is up. India's economy. India's GDP shrank by an eye-watering 24% in the second quarter of the year compared with the same three months in 2019, a much deeper downturn than in the rich world. That reflected the severity of its nationwide lockdown, which brought the country to a standstill. Third quarter figures released today are expected to show a revival in activity as the restrictions lifted and people ventured outdoors. Things are unlikely to have returned to normal though. Economists still estimate that output in the third quarter was around 8% lower than a year earlier. That has not stopped the market celebrating. The Sensex, the benchmark index for Mumbai's stock exchange, has been breaking records, partly thanks to renewed interest from foreign investors after news of effective vaccines broke. Share prices are up by about 70% since their low in March. The economy still has some way to go, but investors are racing ahead. All politics is local. Brazil's municipal elections. Politicians in Brazil are hitting the streets and downplaying alarming spikes in COVID-19 infections and hospitalizations ahead of runoffs for local elections on Sunday. Brazilians in 57 cities, including 18 state capitals, will choose their mayors. Traditional politicians from the Central, a bloc of centre-right parties, performed well in the first round on November 15th, when voters also elected city councils. Most candidates supported by Jair Bolsonaro, the far-right president, did not, in contrast to 2018, when anger about corruption led to a record number of outsiders winning legislative seats. Left-wing candidates also did poorly overall, but leftist eyes are now trained on Sao Paulo, Brazil's biggest city. Guilherme Bolos of the Socialism and Liberty Party could unseat Bruno Covas, the incumbent centre-right mayor from the Party of Brazilian Social Democracy. Local elections tend to hinge on local issues, but a win for Mr Bolos would give Brazil's battered left a boost for the presidential race in 2022. Faux de rage. France's new security bill. For the second week running, protesters will gather in French cities on Saturday to decry a new security bill. The bill is designed, in part, to protect law enforcement officers on and off the job. 
Article 24, which punishes the sharing of images of police officers and soldiers on social media for malicious purposes by a year in prison or a fine of up to €45,000, $54,000, has attracted the most ire, especially after videos emerged of police using tear gas and sting ball grenades on migrants and journalists while violently evicting 500 migrants from a makeshift camp in central Paris on Monday. Some social media users called the event the Night of Shame. Ten of President Emmanuel Macron's own deputies voted against the bill after its first reading in the National Assembly, and 30 abstained. Expect more anger on Saturday. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Ada Lovelace, who died on this day in 1852. Your best and wisest refuge from all troubles is in your science. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.